Hello, listeners. Thank you so much for listening to our show. You can take your listening further and support our work by becoming a member. Members receive an ad-free listening experience, members-only bonus content, an invitation to join the DSR Network Slack community, a members-only newsletter, and members-only blog posts. For the month of February, take 10% off the regular membership price. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code daily. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy code daily. Thank you. It's February 16th, 2023, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Kotmar. Our top stories from international outlets this morning. Deutsche Welle is reporting that South Korea has released a paper describing North Korea as its enemy for the first time in several years. A biennial study by South Korean experts reported an increase in Pyongyang's stockpile of weapons-grade uranium and its increasing arsenal of missiles. The report said that North Korea has continued reprocessing spent fuel from its reactor and now has some 70 kilograms of weapons-grade plutonium. That figure is up from 50 kilograms in a previous report from 2022, it said. The paper went on to say that the North had violated a 2018 inter-Korean military pact that bans hostilities on 15 occasions in last year alone. These included the firing of artillery inside a military buffer zone and the launching of missiles launched across the de facto maritime border into the south in November. Rwanda's army has said its troops briefly exchanged fire with soldiers from the Democratic Republic of Congo at the border post as tension continues to spike between the neighbors, according to Al Jazeera. In a statement yesterday, Kigali said that 12 to 14 Congolese soldiers entered the neutral zone near the western district of Rusizi and opened fire at a Rwandan border post in an act of provocation. Meanwhile, Kinshasa has denied entering the neutral zone and said there were clashes between its military and a group of bandits near the border in Bukavu. The incident occurs against a backdrop of existing tensions between the DRC and its smaller neighbor over an offensive in the eastern Congolese province of North Kivu. The DRC for months has accused Rwanda of supporting an armed rebel group called M23 that's fighting in the DRC's east, an accusation supported by the UN, EU, and the US. The Straits Times reports that the Philippines and the U.S. will carry out their biggest joint military drills since 2015, Manila's army chief said yesterday. The exercises underscore improved ties with the U.S. under President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. and come as the Philippines condemns China's aggressive actions in the South China Sea including its use of a military-grade laser against one of Manila's vessels earlier in February. The annual Balikatan exercises, 
will be conducted in the second quarter of 2023, and last year they involved more than 8,900 troops, Army Chief Romero Brauner told reporters. In 2015, more than 11,000 troops from both countries participated in the joint military exercises. Elsewhere, the BBC reports that Nigeria is attempting to calm tensions over a lack of cash in Nigeria by announcing that one of the three banknotes being phased out will be reintroduced into circulation. In recent days, there have been violent protests as people struggle to get hold of newly designed banknotes. The deadline to hand in old cash was supposed to have been last Friday, but not enough new notes have been released leaving many without cash to pay for vital items. Nigerians have faced long queues at cash machines, with some sleeping outside banks to try and be the first in line to get some money. People say they have been forced to skip meals and have been unable to pay for basic services, like bus or taxi fares, in a country where cash is still widely used. An estimated 40% of the population do not have access to bank accounts. Politico is reporting that David Malpass, the president of the World Bank, is quitting. He informed staff in an email seen by Politico yesterday that he would leave his job by the end of the fiscal year in June. Malpass said it had been an enormous honor and privilege to serve alongside so many talented and exceptional people as president of the world's leading development institution. The World Bank boss, who was appointed by former President Donald Trump, had come under fire after an interview last year in which he seemed to cast doubt on climate change science. His departure opens the door for the Biden administration to pick his replacement. The U.S. has traditionally selected the head of the bank, although that may be contested by other governments. According to the AP, a rare public show of division within the ranks of Afghanistan's ruling Taliban emerged in recent days when Interior Minister Sirajuddin Haqqani, a powerful government figure, gave a speech seen as implicit criticism of the movement's reclusive supreme leader. The Taliban leadership has been opaque since the former insurgents' takeover of the country in August 2021 with almost no indication of how decisions are made. In recent months, the group's supreme leader, Habatullah Ahunzada, has appeared to take a stronger hand in directing policy. In particular, it was on his orders that the Taliban government banned women and girls from universities and schools after the sixth grade. Haqqani said now that the Taliban have taken power, more responsibility has been placed on our shoulders and it requires patience and good behavior and engagement with the people. He said the Taliban must soothe the wounds of the people and act in a way that the people do not come to hate them and religion. Reuters reports that China's Commerce Ministry has put Lockheed Martin and Raytheon onto an unreliable entities list over arms sales to Taiwan. Its latest sanctions against the two U.S. defense contractors. The regulations prohibit Lockheed Martin and Raytheon Missile Defense Corporation 
a subsidiary of Raytheon Technologies, from engaging in import and export activities related to China, according to the Commerce Ministry statement. China previously sanctioned the two firms in February last year over a $100 million arms sale to Taiwan. China's foreign ministry at the time said the sale undermined China's security interests, seriously undermined China-U.S. relations, and peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. In lighter news from NPR, a local British police department is saying it helped save Easter for fans of the chocolate egg. A man was arrested in England after allegedly stealing a semi-truck that contained 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs last Saturday. The egg-stravagant theft took place on Saturday, February 11th, the West Mercia police tweeted. Along with the cream eggs, a number of other chocolate varieties were also stolen. In all, the seized chocolate is thought to be worth 40,000 British pounds, or slightly more than $48,000. The suspect entered guilty pleas to theft of a trailer, theft of its contents, and damage to a chain lock, the AP reported. He is expected to be sentenced next month. That's all the news we have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief and bonus weekend briefs. This weekend, we'll speak with Jamil Jaffer of the National Security Institute about the U.S. shooting at a variety of unidentified flying objects. If you aren't a member, go to thedsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes to read our sources and tune into our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief. (laughs) 